You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. And today's reading comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me just in a quick word of prayer as as I begin the message? Thank you, God, that you've given us your word, and your word is truth. And help us, help our, our hearts be open to your word today and sanctify us in it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the famous trilogy of books and later movies by Robert Ludlum, but it's called The Bourne Trilogy, and it's, it's about a man, and his name is Jason Bourne, and, and when we're introduced to him in the, in the first movie, he, he wakes up with retrograde amnesia. He doesn't remember who he is or anything about his past, really. Uh, and, and as the story kind of continues, of course, this is in the genre of thriller, so it's got impossible odds, rooftop escapes, uh, espionage, all of these things. And so as, he, as we kind of go from the first movie to the second movie, uh, into the third movie, and in the ending of the third movie, Jason finally puts together a few pieces of, of his past and of his life, of who he is. He figures out he needs to go to New York City all while people are trying to, trying to kill him, really. And there's this huge manhunt out for him in New York City. And he figures out he needs to break in to this top-secret headquarters in the middle of New York and talk to a man called Dr. Hirsch. And so this man, he figured out, this man can tell him who he is. And, and he can tell him about his past. And so all while people are trying to kill him, every moment is precious, Jason has this conversation with Dr. Hirsch and puts everything aside because it was so important for him to hear about his past and about his identity that he put everything on hold in order to have this conversation. Because he needed someone to tell him that his real name was not Jason Bourne, but it's actually David Webb. He needed someone to tell him his identity. And how many of us today need someone to tell us who we are because we've forgotten our identity? Maybe your identity is as a father or as a son or, or a grandparent. Maybe as a high school student. Maybe as someone who has a salary of this and this much. Maybe, maybe since we're in Chicago, is it, are you a Sox fan or are you a Cubs fan, right? That's part of your identity also. But how many of us have, like, subscribe or, or identify with these identities? And I use those words loosely. Um, but we miss the identity, our identity in Christ, because the world doesn't define your identity. The world doesn't define our identity. Jesus does. 
And really, when I mean the world, I really mean two things. I mean people, humans, and I mean circumstances, maybe your relationship status, how much money you make, your language, your culture, what part of town you live in. Because the world doesn't define your identity, Jesus does. And why is this so important to know your identity in Jesus? I don't know if you noticed, but I mean, you can probably tell from the introduction, I'm a little bit on the younger side as far as preachers go. And so, but even in my short lifetime, I've seen far too many people in my life, many of them who call themselves Christians, live as if the world defines their identity and forget that their identity is really in, in Jesus. These have been my friends, my coworkers, my classmates, people that have gone to my church back home. These people are like a ship that has an anchor. But for some reason, they, for actually various reasons that I'll get into later, they don't drop the anchor. They don't drop the anchor into their identity in Christ. And instead, they just drift along with what the world and with what people say about them. Because the world doesn't define your identity, Jesus does. Now, you heard that our, our scripture reading today was from Colossians. So let me tell you a little bit about, about Colossians. And something you need to know is that Colossians is like Gary, Indiana. Now, let me, let me explain that a little bit. So Colossae is actually an interesting place because it was a quite prominent trade town back in the day. But over the years, the local interstate, got, the local trade route got moved over, and it kind of went like this in importance. And pretty soon, by the time Paul is writing this book, and in fact, he actually never visited the city himself, which is kind of what makes this a unique letter or unique book in the Bible. By the time Paul, Paul writes this letter, the city is pretty much like Gary, Indiana. It once had a bright future, once the model American city. Today, it's largely insignificant. It's the same with Colossae. And the reason Paul actually knew anything about Colossae was because one of his friends and coworkers in, in, the, in the ministry was Epaphras. And, and so he heard everything, everything secondhand through Epaphras. And so what, what is so important? Why, why would the great Apostle Paul write a letter to this, to this seemingly unimportant city in modern-day Turkey? Why would he do that? Because he heard about false teaching in the church. And the false teaching was so important, I mean, it was such a big deal to, to Paul that he decided to write this letter to a church he's never visited. I don't know how many of you remember when, at the end of the book of Acts, when Paul is walking through the city of Athens, but even if you don't remember, let me, let me kind of paint the picture for you. So Paul walks through the, the city gate, and he looks to the right, he looks to the left, he looks up and down the street, and everywhere there's a pagan altar, there's some kind of pagan sacrifice going on, there's some kind of idol set up, and people are worshiping it. And maybe that's a little bit like the situation in Colossae. Roman culture was known as a polytheistic culture. And there was something more going on there because there was something called syncretism. Because it was a trade town back in the day, many ideas, many, many people, many religious beliefs came through the city. 
And so by this time, there was such a mix of beliefs going on in the city itself. There was this identity crisis going on in the city, and, and this kind of spilled into the church, and that's why Paul is writing. Just to, just to give you an idea of what, what, what these things were, why was this false teaching so important? It involved some kind of philosophy, some kind of legal observance of Jewish holy days, Asceticism, which is being physically hard on your body to attain some kind of spiritual high or something. There's the worship of angels, some kind of visions. All these things were mixed in with, with Christianity in the church. And that's why Paul is, is writing. It's so important for him, him to write this letter. You can think of it maybe as... You can think of it maybe as your child waking up one day. And I don't know if you have children at home or you can picture a time when your children were little. But little, the proverbial Johnny, he wakes up. He wakes up and he decides, I'm going to make a smoothie today. So he goes to the kitchen. He starts adding anything and everything into the blender. And pretty soon it's a mix of all sorts of different things. And that's sort of what happened in Colossae. And the reason false teaching is so dangerous, why, the, the reason Paul is so concerned about this is because false teaching, even in our day, you can see it with cults, with different uh, groups like that, it's, it's, it's a mix of truth and lies. And you can't always tell where the truth begins or where the lies end or where, where the lies begin and where the truth ends. It's like looking through smudge glasses. I don't know how many of you guys wear glasses and you're trying to do something really precise but your glasses are all smudged and it's really annoying and you can't exactly see what's going on. So it is with false teaching. And in fact, your child, Johnny, he probably added many of the right ingredients before he dropped in an onion or a dill pickle into your fruit smoothie, right? So it's a mix of truth and lies, and that's why Paul is writing, because they had an identity crisis, and they didn't know who they were because of all these ideas, all these identities and, and, and religious beliefs. They forgot who they were in Christ. Now, I don't know if you are a note-taker today. I'm a note-taker, so things like this help me, but my first point today is identity in Jesus means an open invitation. I don't know if you noticed it in our text, and in fact, I'd like to read it again, just briefly. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And the first word in this section is very important. It's the word if. If Paul is limiting what he's saying here in the following verses by addressing believers, he's explicitly addressing those who have been raised with Christ, those who have a personal relationship with Jesus. But even if you're here today, maybe you've heard about Jesus, maybe you've gone to church your whole life but never really had a personal relationship with him, never... never um, never experienced what it's like to, to have closeness and intimacy with Jesus. There's hope for you today because God right now is extending an open invitation to all people, to everyone, to a new life in him and a new identity in him. Because even if you don't know who Jesus is, even if you choose to reject him, maybe you have family members that choose to reject him. 
Jesus still defines your identity because it says in Colossians 1, two chapters earlier, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Everyone is a part of creation, even if you choose to reject Jesus. Even if, even if you don't think something is true or don't believe in it, doesn't mean it isn't true. And Jesus defines your identity just the same in every person's identity because you are a part of creation and, and he is creator, so he gets to define your identity. So that open invitation stands today. Will, will you accept it? There's going to be people actually in the lobby after church I would love to talk to you if you have questions about Christianity, if you want to get connected to this church, if you want to step into a new identity in Jesus and live with everyday hope. All I have to do is go into the lobby and look for the sign EBF Connect and there's people that would love to pray with you and talk with you because that open invitation is to everyone and all people. So what does Paul mean when it says, if you have been raised with Christ? So Paul is actually saying, he's referencing something that happened earlier in the book of Colossians because he, he's kind of, in the whole book, he's drawing this, this analogy. People that are, call themselves Christians, their life is united with Christ in life, in death, in burial, in baptism, and now in resurrection also. And now in resurrection also. So he's saying, well, if you believe all these things I already told you earlier in the book, then there are some serious implications of that for your life right now. And he's about to spell it out for us in our section today. That's what it's like. It's, the purpose of this section is to, to show us what it means to live in light of your Christ identity. Which brings me actually to my second point, which, mean, which is identity in Jesus means Jesus first. There are two commands, two very clear commands. I mean, this is one of the clearest passages in the New Testament, I feel like. It says, seek the things that are above and set your minds on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. There's two very clear commands in this section. See, the church in Colossae had their priorities mixed up. They got confused between the spiritual world and the spiritual reality and the material world. They had such an earthly focus that Paul, Paul is writing to correct it. This was part of the false teaching. Things like focusing on your body, focusing on, uh, on being hard on your body, all these Jewish holy days, these things. Paul is writing to correct that and, and, and fix this imbalance because, because the, the people in Colossae, they were so focused on the world that they forgot about their, their heavenly identity and Jesus took the back seat. Now Paul is not saying that we should reject the world altogether. Because think, think, of, think of all the things that God has given you in your life, maybe possessions, maybe different things in different circumstances. We're not, we're not to reject all of this. We're not to reject our bodies just because we're going to get a new one in heaven. We're not, we're, not, we're not called to live as if we're already in heaven while we're on earth. That's not what Paul is saying. He's merely trying to correct an imbalance in the church because Jesus took the back seat in the church. But Paul is saying, no, Jesus needs to be in the front seat 
and the world needs to be in the back seat. And, and there's nothing, I don't want you to think there's anything wrong with, like, with earthly possessions or, or material possessions because, because um, God placed Adam and Eve in the garden just like we saw in the, in, the, in the little video. God placed them in the garden, gave them a purpose here on earth, and it's the same with us today. It's no mistake that each of us is standing here in February of 2022. God placed each one of us here today. And he also, as Adam and Eve were leaving the garden, God gave them their first possessions, clothing. So there's nothing inherently wrong with these things. All Paul is trying to do is fix this imbalance. And how many of us struggle with the same thing? I mean, I don't know how many of you guys are students. Maybe you're a high school student. Maybe you're in college, like myself. It's easy to do as a student. Maybe, you know, out of the 10, 10 hours uh, you're about to do at the library the, during the next work week, and out of the six human interactions you have during the day, three of them are with library staff, and you totally forget about, you know, living in the spirit and walking in, in light of your Christ identity because you're so focused on being a student, it just takes over all your life and all your energy. I've been there before. Or maybe you're in the corporate world or at work. You recently got a promotion, and now your new job is is so demanding, you have to put so many extra hours in that you've kind of, you know God is important, but you've kind of put him on the back burner and put him in the back seat because you just have to figure out your life right now, um, just, just with this new, just in this new season until you can figure out your new job. And then, you know, you'll, you'll go back to God, but for right now, you just have to, you just don't have time to, to put him first and, and you slowly drift into a world-centered identity. Or maybe you're a single mom, and you have, you're working, you have three kids at home, your kids are going through this crazy stage right now, you barely have enough time to think about yourself, think of your own needs, let alone to think about God and the body of Christ, and God kind of goes on the back burner. So what does this mean for us today? I think putting your identity in Jesus means making a personal relationship with Jesus a priority in your life. And I don't know what that means for you specifically. And I'm, I'm going to list some, some things that are really good, but I don't want you to think that it's some magic formula by any means. Maybe putting your relationship with Jesus first means setting your alarm back 15, 20, 30 minutes so you have time to spend uh, spend time in God's word and in prayer. Maybe it means making church a priority even if there's a really, really exciting and good football game on later in the afternoon. Maybe it means to participate in small groups here at EBF. Maybe it's living every day with the understanding that Jesus could use you to be his hands and feet at any moment. Maybe it's actively looking for opportunities to share the gospel with your atheist family member. I don't know what that means for you, but I know that as Christians, we're to put our personal relationship with Jesus as number one in our life. And that if you truly make that your prayer, God will show you exactly what you need to do to do that. The Holy Spirit will convict you and guide you in that process. So we've talked about identity in Jesus means an open invitation. Identity in Jesus means Jesus first. And now identity in Jesus 
means real hope. It says in verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. How does this translate to our lives? What does it mean to be hidden? God is calling each one of us to take our present circumstances and live in light of our God-given identity right now, wherever you are right now. Maybe you're in, in a place you're not really happy with. Maybe you're, you're, you've made some mistakes in the past and now the place you are has led you, uh, has led you down this path of consequences and that's the place where you are, but God is still calling you to live in light of your God-given identity right now. He's not calling you to live your life in a waiting room because that's easy to do. Maybe you're in a confusing place because plans A, B, and C didn't work out, so now you're doing plan like Z, and you're doing this thing temporarily, and you, you don't know what the future holds or, or how you're going to make, make the next, make the next uh, payment on your apartment. God is still calling you to live as if Christ, Christ defines your identity in light of that, even then, in every circumstance. Because your circumstances, your feelings, they don't define your identity. The world doesn't define your identity, Jesus does. This means that when you unjustly get fired from your job, when you miscarry your first child, when your kids are rebellious or they walk away from the Lord as adults. When the years are adding up and you know the day of your death is coming and you're afraid. When you get the diagnosis, mental illness or cancer. When your country gets invaded by another country seemingly without any reason or provocation. Nothing as Christians, can lead us to despair. Now, I'm not saying that these things are easy. These things are very, very, very hard. They're hard for any human, and Christians included within, within that. These are very hard things. But I'm saying that nothing can lead us to despair as people whose identity is defined by Jesus. A famous poet, Alexander Pushkin, he wrote a poem, and I would like to read it for you today. I've lived to bury my desires and see my dreams corrode with rust. Now all that's left are fruitless fires that burn my empty heart to dust. Struck by the storms of cruel fate, my crown of summer bloom is sere. Alone and sad I watch and wait and wonder if the end is near. As conquered by the last cold air, when winter whistles in the wind, up alone upon a branch that's bare, a trembling leaf is left behind. That is a picture of despair. And as people whose identity is defined by Jesus, God will never lead us into despair because as defined by the Collins Dictionary, Despair is the feeling that everything is wrong and that nothing will improve. And the reason 
why we can have hope in every situation, every circumstance, no matter what's happening, is because God didn't stay in the grave. Jesus didn't remain in the grave. It says in verse one, I don't know if you caught it, it says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That is a present tense verb. God is sitting right now in heaven. He's breathing at the right hand of God, sitting on the throne, and he is our living hope right now. And that's why Christians cannot experience despair because our hope is not living. It's not in any earthly thing. It's not in any earthly country, any earthly possession. It's in heaven, and it's in the person that's living and breathing right now. And he is our hope. It says in Matthew chapter 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Our, our treasure is truly in heaven and it's truly hidden in heaven through, through Christ, through the work of Christ because he's taken your identity He's taken your identity. He's taken your identity and your identity. He's taken our identity and he's locked it in a secure safety deposit box and he's insured it eternally in the bank of heaven. And it's secure there. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with this particular financial institution, the bank of heaven, but uh, God's guarantee is that it's uh, rust, thief, and moth-free banking made simple eternally. Well, there's a tension here. I don't know if you picked up on it already or not, but if our identity, if our hope is truly secured in heaven, why am I even preaching the sermon? Like, what do we need to do in response to that? If it's already done, why does it matter? Let me illustrate it with a story. So I grew up in a mountainous region and one of the clearest memories from my childhood is going mountain hiking. Like, we did this like every other weekend or something like that. We did it very often. And one Friday, one Friday, we, we decided, okay, we're going to go mountain hiking tomorrow on Saturday morning. And as we woke up on Saturday morning, we look out the window and low cloud cover, it's drippy, kind of cold, no sun, not a very nice day. Ah, we're like, should we go? Should we not go? And of course, I'm a kid, and I don't know why we went or why we didn't go, but we ended up going. And as we're hiking along, you know, it's not a very, you know, it's not a very pleasant time. It's kind of wet. It's not necessarily raining, but it's kind of misting. Not a very nice day. Kind of one of those classic Chicago days, I would say, almost. Something happened as we neared the top of the mountain, though. Something amazing happened, actually, because we actually cleared the cloud cover, and at the top of the mountain, it was a bright and sunny, beautiful, warm summer day. It's the same with our identity in Christ, because when we're down below, and we look out our window at our life, we see the clouds and the rain and the mist and the fog of our circumstances and these hard situations that we're, that we're in, and how often do we forget and we get discouraged we get discouraged. We forget that the sun is still shining, even though we can't see it. And God is still declaring our identity. He's still on the throne. Because the world doesn't define your identity. 
Jesus does. And, and in fact, it says in verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And that's the, that's the hope that we can live. That's the hope that we can live in as, as Christians, as people who belong to Christ and whose identity is defined by Christ. And remember that hope is actually extended to everyone because it's an open invitation to all people. And that's why Jesus calls us to, to put, our, put our identity in him, put him first in our lives, and to make a personal relationship with him the number one thing in our lives. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Thank you, Lord, that you are on your throne and nothing, no human hand can take you off that throne. Lord, when we hear of wars, God, we hear of suffering around the world, we, we don't, that doesn't lead us into despair because we have a living hope in heaven, and I thank you for that. And I thank you that you are good in all circumstances, Lord. And I pray that you would help us live according to that truth this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EBF, subscribe to our podcast. And to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.